Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, guys? It's your boy here with some Making a Disney Fan news before we start the episode. We tried to get a special out to you. We played some games with Sarah's father. It was a good time. Unfortunately, due to technical reasons, we are not able to give you that episode. On that episode, however, we did announce what movie we will be watching uh, as a result of our Oscar pool. And I have scraped together and edited what we could from the announcement part of that episode. And here that is. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Making a Disney Fan. Uh, We are here with a very special episode today. Uh, So we're going to do a little fun special episode. But before we get to the main episode, we have to announce the results of our Oscar pool. Uh, So if you were following along on Instagram, you could see we were posting our predictions leading up to the Oscars. Uh, We had a lot of fun with that. So the end result was, with a score of 13 in third place, me... With a score of 27 in second place was Brandon. And as we announced on the feed, Zach was the winner with a score of 35. So he won. Yeah, he won very well. Uh, So as we discussed when we announced the contest, the winner of this pool got to pick a non-Disney animated movie for us to watch and discuss. So we decided that Zach would surprise us right here with his choice. But first... Brandon and I each get to make a prediction about what it will be. Brandon, do you have a prediction? Uh, I've been going back and forth from the movies on Crave. Mm -hmm. My guess is either going to be Chicken Run or Pokemon the movie. That's that's where I landed. My guess is An American Tale or Five Goes West. Well, Sarah is correct with Five Goes West. It's... That one is much better than the original, in my opinion. Well, the original is far darker, and I don't know. I like the jovial nature, because the the sequel has John Cleese and John Lovitz in it. So, you got comedy chops to it. And and to top it off, you got the uh, swan song of of, uh, Jimmy Stewart. And there you have it. We will be watching Five Goes West on next month's episode, courtesy of Zach and his Oscar win. I return you now to our regularly scheduled programming. to our podcast where this podcast keeps going steady as the beating drum because this fandom is mine 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 i'm not <laughs> actually sure i uh, catch the mine 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 reference what part of the movie was that the gold mine oh, that's the villain mine. song hey da, 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 da. you know okay that wasn't a very good example of the song i don't know all the words <laughs> like radcliffe sing it yeah, yeah, when he's, like, singing about <laughs> getting the gold Pretty much, boys. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, 
welcome to our 14th episode of our podcast at Making a Disney Fan. I am joined with over in Saskatoon with our very own Flit. Interesting. Uh, I that that's my idea for it just because you know you're protective, can be a little uh, oh. intimidating, but in a smallish way. Even though you're like, the same size as me, yeah, I'm pretty average but... sized. <laughs> but yeah, protective and intimidating. You know, this is the second time, I think, in my entire life that I've been called intimidating. Every time I'm like, oh, okay, cool. just happy with it. Yeah. Well, the last person that called me that was someone on my team. Oh. I was one of. I, well, I am one of the bosses, and she said before she became a boss too and got to know me, she's like, I was so intimidated by you because you were just like good at your job, and I was like. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, uh, Brandon, did you have an idea for her? I I really I really I really didn't know. I was wrestling with it. I don't think flit. Like I, I honestly like I'm not sure if I fully agree with that. But I okay. don't know what else. I want to say like instinctually the grandmother tree. I was just because about I feel to... like that's the. Po- I was going to say the grandmother tree because I feel like that's the part that's going to make Sarah cry. I was just about to say, <laughs> as a joke, you think I'm Grandmother Willow, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. I but love her. Not because I like see you in Grandmother Willow. For some reason, that's just the moment I vision, envision you crying during this movie. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Well, Did you cry during that part? I watched it while I was doing something. I was baking cheesecake so mm. i was not um absorbed enough to cry when i watched it um i can't That's remember fair. when i normally cry because i love this movie but i'm <laughs> sure i cry at a lot of things and yeah a grandmother thing definitely uh granddaughter grandmother relationships destroy me since my grandma died so yeah mm. That's yeah fair. you're right on track i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> So which character do you choose? Do I? For myself? Two? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's hard to say because Brandon's not saying I am Grandmother Mil- Willow. Yeah. I don't know. I just Honestly, think that's the moment. Okay. Yeah. This movie was the hardest to pick characters for everybody. I mean, Zach, you were easy. I, str- but... I struggled. What? Am I, am, no, am I Wiggins? No, you're Miko. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was the, the, the man, the jolly no. man servant. No. He's a little you're, more flamboyant than you are. <laughs> <laughs> what I finally uh, settled on, I mean, Miko was uh, easy, but for Brandon, I was like, I don't know. Because you're not really like any of the characters. So I was like, you know what? You can just be Percy. Because the Percy? dog. The dog. The two oh, of you. you know, I'm not, I'm actually... I was I was talking about that yes when we watched it I was like you know I would not hate being the yeah. dog you two like being buddies but also <laughs> well, green yeah. and like in the end they're like happy <laughs> together you know yeah but that's the opposite of us we were instantly you buddies do bicker it's sometimes true. though we do bicker so it's still fit and yes, give each yeah. other snacks you call it bickering but and I'm just gonna throw out a joke one for you Brandon. I'm going to say Kokuum. Kokuum? <laughs> you know? Because he's so strong. Strong, strong indigenous warrior. I like that. 
I like that. You know, <laughs> strong if, as the bear. If you guys are gonna be Miko and Percy, then I'll I'll take Flit because then we can be three animal towels together. Oh yeah. Yep, that works. All right. Well, Flip. intimidating. Flip. It fits that I'm the bossy one, honestly. <laughs> but you know, I just I just don't take you seriously. Also, Flit like legitimately dies a few times in this movie, and no one even notices. Like, there's that one point where he legitimately drowns in the boat, and she's just like, "Come on, guys, let's go!" Yeah. <laughs> Grabs him and goes. I, know. I mean, like. I'm Poor really Flit. clumsy, so also pretty fitting. <laughs> and do you have a target on your ass? Uh, that was Miko. No, not that I know. <laughs> Boy, that's me. That was me. Yeah. Do you have a target on your ass? Eh? Sometimes it feels that way. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, I'm sure that the, we're we're gonna have a few more memories uh, uh, on this one than the previous one. Ooh. That reminds me, Brandon, I figured out what movie you were thinking of with Bambi. What movie was I thinking of with Bambi? With, like, the plot line. Oh. Like, with the plot line that Bambi, what you thought Bambi okay. was. Okay. I, th- I thought it was, was pretty specifically Bambi's mom gets shot, so if it's a different movie, I'm gonna be... <laughs> no, it's another movie where the mother dies. Okay. And that's The Land Before Time. That's... The Land Before Time... Littlefoot's mom dies pretty darn early, and then he goes on a whole adventure trying to That's, find his grandparents. It's completely different battle. story, though. Like, I it's, also... It's dinosaurs, I, though. I would have yeah, known dinosaurs. I also remembered the same as Brandon, that Bambi's mom dies at the beginning. Like, it's just a skewed memory, because mm-hmm. I know the land before time very well. Honestly, I think it's a Mandela effect. We read about that, like, so often there's all those, like, sketchy-ass YouTube videos about it. But honestly, I think it might be a Mandela effect. <laughs> there was a Bambi that only came into existence while we were alive. <laughs> it, it just, we crossed universes or something, and that's the yeah. Bambi we ended up watching. But it wasn't the one we watched as kids. Yeah. That's my theory. Or just because people make such a big deal about the significance of Bambi's mom dying, we've just assumed that it happens it soon happens at the very beginning. you know because it's like well it's such a big part of the movie according to everyone always that it must happen early on because the yeah. way that it happened so close to the end it's like oh that's not actually as major a plot line as we made it out to be yeah not at yeah. all <laughs> i don't know it was yeah it was weird she should have died at the beginning of the all movie. right i won't go back into that <laughs> i just that's something that i thought of because i we my kids watched land before time and it's yeah. just like it followed what you thought Bambi yeah it's definitely the, the same like there. story story points but i mm-hmm. i know land before yeah. time i would have i would have known it was dinosaurs though mm-hmm. if we're talking about a kid's animated movie where the mother dies it's like all of them especially in disney <laughs> there's always true. a dead parent <laughs> Yeah, but there's few. There's it's such a weird. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it does. But it's just a very common thing in kids' movies. Interestingly, that a parent dies. Good dinosaur, mm-hmm. the dad dies. Oh, I didn't know that. It happened. That happens pretty. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. Happens watch pretty early in the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've never seen yeah. it. Maybe you will if we get there on the podcast. That's so far away, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, we'll be like so 40. far away. <laughs> Well, maybe you'll be 40. I'll probably be older. That's true. Well, yes. 
You are older than us, so if we're 40, you are going to be older. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so after that (laughs) tangent, uh, (laughs) going on to... uh, So the memories of, of our film Pocahontas. So, Brandon, do you have... Any memories on Pocahontas? Because this came, I think this came out around the time when you were born. What year is this? 95. 95. 95, yeah. So I would have been two at that point. Um, okay, yeah. Like, I remember growing up with it. It was one of my sister's favorite movies. And I remember my mom always telling me that when I was, like, really young and I couldn't pronounce it, I would just call it Pocahaha. Oh. And I'm like, looking <laughs> back on it, I'm like, you know, that's not that far off. That's really cute. That's close enough for a child. But um, yep. it was it was one of my sister's like favorites, so I do remember watching it quite a bit. Not enough to actually connect with it. Like, I didn't remember... I remember the general like storyline, I guess, but I didn't remember much of the movie. Okay. Uh, Sarah? I got nothing for you. <laughs> We're going to have to go, like, many years before we start having actual... I mean, childhood memories, at least. There may be some that I remember something surrounding it, I guess. But, yeah, uh, like Brandon, I was too when it came out. Um, yeah. I just know that I've always liked it. Did, uh, did Daisy No, watch she was already in bed you? when I watched it. She is in a, a... Which is good. Like, this is not a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's in a phase right now where she watches what she wants to watch. She does not want to watch what I put on. Um, she's back into a Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. phase. Hmm. So she's watching both of those on alternating with a show she likes to watch on YouTube. So Fun. there's no changing All that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, myself, I have a very specific memory about this film, and that's watching the trailer for it, which is the essentially the Colors of the Wind segment. But that was in the VHS mm. of Lion King. Mm. And see, I was five when this one came out. So I actually got some memories on there. And now it's just like, if there is times where I would put that VHS in later on and it would just be like mm. memories just click in because there was like a trailer for it. But then there was also like this trailer, or this this commercial mm. for Disneyland or Disney World, one of the two. And it's just like, it was a very specific commercial where it was just like two kids talking about like, oh, going to... Disneyland and they're like packing a suitcase and then like oh you know Goofy I know he Goofy looks like he's this big on TV but he is huge in real life and then at the end they're just like saying I guess we'll be going in about three months and they got you're tickling something in my brain (laughs) right now I'm pretty sure I've seen that ad you're welcome I I think I remember I'm sure you own the V I I think it's because we we everyone owned the Lion King VHS. I still do. True. I have just... it in my basement. So you'll find that commercial if yeah. you have a VCR. I do not have a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> I just nabbed all of my parents' old VHSs before they gave them away. Nice. But yeah, that that is a very specific memory I have of that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh. it's cor- correlating with that. I'm as... definitely looking that ad up on YouTube after this because I need to satisfy the tickle of my brain now (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome for triggering childhood memories (laughs) um but yeah i've watched this one over the years often like it's 
one of those ones that always just came on and yeah the kids enjoy it my like evangeline really likes pocahontas uh, i enjoy the film there's moments i've had discussions about it especially with um when i was working in bc with other uh can't like staff and they were aboriginal so pocahontas comes up and not always seen in the best of lights yeah <laughs> that makes sense yep yeah so and i had troubles under trouble understanding that hmm. but that's my perspective yeah fair yeah <laughs> we'll get into that in great detail i'm sure <laughs> all right so after that or now that we finished our memories we're gonna switch it over to brandon with our newbie recap all right guys what's up it's your boy here talking about um something that is not a children's movie like i don't i'm not so sure if i agree that this is should be as looked upon as fondly as it should but disney's pocahontas um so the story is basically a retelling of what the jamestown settlement in america um it's yeah telling the story of pocahontas just yeah like the real life a lot of liberties taken yeah they take an incredible amount of liberties with this story um yeah to the point where like pocahontas is an adult in this and like Mm -hmm. when you actually do reading about the story like she's like 10 years old yeah, she's, um, she was a kid. I got a lot of stuff about the history and the fun facts because yeah. it was very interesting to dive into. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think we'll uh, we'll do the history before we do the deep dive on the race relations. We could, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the story is basically like John Captain John Smith, Mel Gibson, which uh, we questioned who it was, and then he said like one thing, and I was like, "That's Mel Gibson." Um, yeah. But sure, he, uh, an Australian dude, or... Mel Gibson is Australian, right? Yes, but his accent's been gone for forever. Yeah, but, like, he's got, like, uh... Yeah, it's weird. Um, but Mel Gibson and his, like, men with Christian Bale with a voice that's actually kind of hard to pick out as Christian Bale when you think about it. Well, he's so young. Yeah, he is really young, but he, like, I didn't. I kept trying to like picture it out, and I keep being like, "Wait, wait, that's Thomas," because like I couldn't pick out Christian Bale's voice. So that's that's something. Um, and then yeah, it kind of tells the flip side with like Pocahontas and her tribe and everything, um, and kind of the tension between the two, while the villain Ratcliffe, who is all right he's like crazy i guess and apparently super interested in gold which was never actually a thing during any of this which is just like one of those like liberties i guess they took with the story like uh, okay so he's he's digging up gold fine um then they fight i guess like not much happens except for like the will they won't they of Pocahontas and John Smith, which is really weird again when you call back to the ages. Um, mm-hmm. They sing some songs, which are not great. Um, yeah, f- f- what's what's the what kills me? This one, like 
what, 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 do they, what do they say? I'm gonna kill me an engine, maybe two or three. Like how? Oh, how is that about in those a, songs? That's okay, the reprise for uh, uh, West Virginia. Country. There's like a full song about it, but like, how yeah. is that in a children's movie? Like, well, that is, I mean, sure, you can argue like, yeah, it's times, blah 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 blah. But like, if they made a Civil War children's movie, they wouldn't drop the N word all the time, right? It's a children's no. movie. Like, how can you put that in yeah. a children's movie? And they say it and sing <laughs> it multiple times. Not to mention they spend the whole movie calling, like, the Native savages and stuff. Like, I I get yeah. it. It's just like a, I don't know. It's a very, like, boiled down, super basic, like, white people versus, like, Native people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... It's like Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> like, very not aged well yeah (laughs) in those regards well it's not i wouldn't put it in the same league as as peter pan in regards to it um because at least they try to incorporate what actual aboriginals behaved like not just in insane caricatures on that that note though i think the entire movie was making like native american as caricatures all the entire movie propagates this like myth that native american people are magical and in tune with the like the world and they can talk to trees and like it's this whole like you're either like one kind of native you're like the magical native in the tv show in the movie you can talk to spirits you can see whatever i think it's an incredibly stereotypical take on indigenous people and i think even specifically like the way they do tribe dynamics isn't exactly well thought out either Hmm. like i don't i don't really enjoy like as an indigenous person like i don't enjoy like the stereotype that like all native american people are magic somehow just because we live off the land and mm-hmm. i think pocahontas leans into that pocahontas talks to a tree the native people are in tune with the animals they make stories in their smoke fires and stuff and i think at its core pocahontas is a caricature of the native american people and they just tell it as a story that's not so because what the white people and the natives agree to something in the end like i don't know i don't like i don't like how they're portrayed in this movie so i would argue i would argue that they're being portrayed accurately and not as a caricature I think that's an interesting, I mean, not an interesting point, an accurate point. And especially yeah, coming from someone who is indigenous, like, yeah, like I felt like we, we can't argue how it makes you feel about your true, yeah. culture and your heritage. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I honestly, like, I felt like I should have enjoyed this movie as like, an homage to native people but like they twist the story so much and then they Mm. just boil the native people down to basic film understandings of just campfires and blah 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 and they can they all they're all magic apparently like i don't know where that stereotype came from but like that's Mm. honestly like 50 percent of this movie yeah it's just 
yeah, I don't know. It, I think it's I think it's interesting. I felt like I should have liked it. Like I should have been like, this is my Disney movie, right? Like it's about my people. Like, it's uh, like the Moana to like Pan Asian cultures and stuff. Like Or like the way people are reacting to the Little Mermaid being black. Yeah. Like the representation thing. Yeah, like that's I, what you mean. I feel like, like how you thought it would make you feel. Yeah, like I felt like it would be cool to be represented and then it would just it just didn't hmm. feel like it landed there for me. Sure. Like the story ends fine. Like it ends she sacrifices herself for John Smith kind of when he's about to be executed, which according to like historical tales happened. So that's like, that's mm-hmm. fine. And like the story itself is decent. Like I don't actually like want to hate this movie because when you watch it at face value, it's good. I, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like the music so much. Yeah. But, like when you watch it at face value, it's good. But it's like when you dig deep into like the aspects of the film, like I didn't, I didn't enjoy it or I didn't feel empowered as like I thought it would, mm. you know? Yeah. I think the biggest shortcoming of the film is the changing between the historical yeah. tale and the and what this becomes. The romanticization of, is of the dynamic between John Smith and and Pocahontas. Yes, it's really weird, but a lot of that is because of John Smith himself. True. But oh, yeah. But, like, yeah. Historically, because he's the one that perpetuated that story. Yeah. Yeah, he and made up a lot of that. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Exactly. So that is a lot of that reason. So, at taking it separately from the history as a store as a singular story. you know not bad yeah i can like i can say like it's exactly. like, it's a decent so, movie it's like, just when you look more into especially, it especially well yeah and and i agree like that is the thing so i know that they tried to get as much con- uh cons- consultations with certain uh like community members and stuff and they actually had aboriginal people that voice the characters which is a lot better than other ones like we just did lion king mm-hmm. which yeah. had th- two or three black people yeah in it and and they weren't even main roles yeah. and and so we go to this one where majority of the cat like a good chunk of the cast is aboriginal which yeah which is great and, we actually like and, i looked that and up. some of them like the guy who voiced voiced powhatan it like fully endorsed it as well like he was mm-hmm. very well like yeah uh proud of of the film but yeah like self-contained within the story um i like it as a nice it's a great bridge for teaching of like that i that i try to do with like trying to teach kids about differences and communication of differences like especially the um, opening for Colors of the Wind segment, where you know John Smith is just like you know we build decent houses and oh we're just gonna make you all civilized and just like what I mean is and then she says what you mean is not like you yeah and that is a concept that is a concept that does not get taught nearly enough is with a lot with a lot of like uh kids and with their parents and and stuff it's just like they are not like us but that is okay Mm -hmm. it's okay that that people can be different granted things are are changing these days like like there's so many different 
of cultures and stuff in my kids' class and yeah. stuff. It's, and but it's just uh, it's a really cool lesson. Just at and that's like the core of the story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is understanding of of differences and and the conflict is believable and and it's a true story like like the conflict between aboriginals and whites was horrendous and only got worse yeah after yeah. that yeah definitely and it's still felt 600 700 years later it's yeah. Yeah, very bad still i think like something like this there may be indigenous people who do feel like oh i'm being represented and that's awesome yeah and probably, they may yeah. feel connected to it but there's also no argument to be made for people like you brandon who are indigenous and feel like no i hate this because yeah, it represents yeah. like, something just, that doesn't represent me. Like, and I think that's fine. Yeah, it's just, like, one of those things, you know? Like, you see, like, Native yeah. people in movies, and they're always, like, some sort of mystical, some mm-hmm. sort of magical. In the mm-hmm. Simpsons mm-hmm. movie, she, like, makes him see things in the stars with her boobs. Like, sure. Like, there, there's yeah. always that kind of, like, undertone mm-hmm. to Native characters. Mm-hmm. And, like, I get, like, maybe that's supposed to make them, like, beautiful, but it's just kind of, like, you're just making them characters. Like, we're not magic. Like, we don't... Yeah. (laughs) Just be glad that she didn't talk to the animals. Yeah. True. Which was a possibility. (laughs) Yeah. Not every person of every heritage is going to connect to Mm -hmm. every thing. Yeah. I really, like... I'm curious what... Do you... Did you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Brandon. Oh yeah. I'm curious yeah. your thoughts on this, but I really like whenever the chief comes into it on Parks and Rec and he knows that Leslie has a lot of white guilt and he plays on it and will make jokes about like his magic and his spirits or whatever and he's like totally just pulling her leg. Yeah, that's funny. Like I get that. <laughs> I think that's great cuz he's like I know white that this are is what of curses. Yeah, yeah, he's like I know this is what you think that I am, so I'm going to play it up yeah. and make mm-hmm. it funny but really like i'm just pulling your leg like i think that that's really yeah, a good way to like do it acknowledging the stereotype but like kind of getting around it I, uh, in the way yeah like it, i think yeah. I, I love that like, I, think I think if think it wasn't funny. a historical event it would be more acceptable because you look at other disney films in the same regard from other nationalities you go to moana you go to uh, Aladdin and there's other mystical things going on around him then there's also uh, Mulan where there's a dragon and hmm. ancestors that she interacts with yeah is just the nature of the Disney but, films themselves like I could also argue the same thing for Asian culture why are they always so mystical with dragons and stuff in their like yeah. portrayal in mm-hmm. movies it's the exact same think... argument for a different culture like Disney's repleted the problem that's true yeah, and I think and, yeah, same Mulan thing. Yeah, a historical figure yeah. too. Yeah, she is. I think same thing there too. There will probably be some people that are Asian mm-hmm. that really connect to it and go, "I see myself." And there will be some similar to Brandon here, where they're like, "That's not what my culture is to me, though. It's yeah. not about the mm-hmm. magic. It's not about that." Yeah. So I feel like there's no real way to make it what everybody from that heritage or that race or whatever will like 
mm-hmm. they do have to be careful that they don't perpetuate stereotypes too. And Pocahontas, maybe they're not trying to do a caricature or whatever, but this movie is often spoken about as not having aged well because there is a lot of pretty racist stuff in it. There's a yeah. And like mm-hmm. there's no getting around that. Like that's just the truth. No. As Peter Pan, like Peter Pan is more of an obvious like caricature because and it does show the different times the movies were made for sure yeah what was considered okay then but like peter pan also didn't age well and it's like well now we need to use this as an opportunity to teach why didn't it age well what should we do better now yeah. how mm-hmm. should we change this and actually give good representation to people of different yeah. races and cultures and whatever because everybody deserves to see themselves like all these videos I saw of little black girls on TikTok seeing Ariel for the first time and crying because mm-hmm. they that's they're yeah. seeing themselves. I'm like, we gotta give that to everybody. White people, we've got enough. <laughs> yeah, oh, we need to give yeah. that to everybody I, now. I remember getting into a serious heated debate uh, with like this one guy from my church or whatever about Ariel casting and stuff like that, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, it would probably make an an impact if it was like trying to make merida black from brave because she's a scottish or trying to make jasmine white because she's from the middle east but ariel is a fish <laughs> yeah that's true that, yeah. it doesn't matter what color doesn't she is matter, yeah yeah give representation yeah, where just, you can and the only like we said before the only reason why she was, was a redhead was because they didn't want her to look like splash <laughs> yeah yeah well, and it stood out in the animation and everything, like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Just, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the only reason why Ariel w- was white with red hair. Mm-hmm. Was, why can't she be black with, um, what was it, Auburn? Mm-hmm. I think so. I Yeah, I think it's something like that, based on the trailers. This is like, yeah. the there's arguments online constantly, because they're making this new Harry Potter show, where yeah. they're redoing mm-hmm. the books. And there's the possibility Rightfully that so. they could cast Hermione black. And people have studied they, the they books. Did the, yeah, they did with the play, didn't they? I think so. And people child. have studied yeah, the, the books. The yeah, people have studied the books and the way that Hermione's described, you could portray that. And people are like, no, that's not my Hermione. And it's like, who cares? Yeah. Just enjoy the show. Or if you... for Hermione was crazy hair and buck teeth. Well, it talks about her skin at some point too, which could be describing it as white Mm. but i can't remember exactly what the wording is but it could really go either way and it's just like you know what whoever you picture hermione is that's your hermione and if in the show they make her black and that's not what you pictured well you Mm -hmm. don't have to watch it but Mm. leave it alone for those people who are saying i get to see my hermione this time emma watson fantastic hermione i loved her She's obviously not going to play her this time. So I would love to see any way they want to go. And I just love Harry Potter, so I just want to see it. If people are mad about it, just like if they're mad about The Little Mermaid, just don't watch it. Yeah. Watch the old one. Watch her be white if that's what you need. Like, just get... (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm getting... We need to go back to Pocahontas. This is getting really deep. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Brandon, did you have more thoughts? Basically, the... uh, It's story native americans they come to a fight but then they decide not to fight and they're cool which is probably not how it went but you know disney um i liked the side characters like i like the raccoon miko yeah uh, I, I liked flit i thought he was funny uh flit again dies multiple times in this movie and no one says a thing <laughs> about it but whatever 
Uh, I like. He's it. very resilient. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fragile hummingbird. I didn't think the music was up to par. Um, like I do think the songs are noticeably less good from other movies. Mm. Um, I also think the animation took a dip from the Lion King. Like I do think it went backwards and they got like less good animation and less good songs. Um, but again, like I said, watching it outright is it's a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We can all so, have different opinions. <laughs> so we're moving on from that from new Brandon's newbie recap with moving on to myself with the Disney deep dive which we've already been doing anyways <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah we have been we've you know you, we I knew this was going to happen with with this film in regards to race relations because it is a, it's ingrained in the in the core of this film mm-hmm. it's not like dumbo where it's a it's two three minutes of of crows this is ingrained yeah. in the movie from the from the start using words like savages and yeah like the vernacular honestly like i it feels like it's it's used in in try, trying to use it in the best way possible whereas understanding that people would talk like that in that regards but mm. i know it's it's not ex- like it's not positive yeah. like it's just it's the fine line Believe me, it's it's nothing in comparison with even uh, another ex- another Disney example is like Davy Crockett. Oh, like yeah, like literally Disney released a live action like two movies of Davy Crockett, mm-hmm. and where like Indians where white people painted brown or just I don't know just Indian wars and stuff and glorifying yeah. that is just ugh, I can't even think about that anymore. Because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, My thought just on but, like the rhetoric of the song itself is just like even like if you put it into Civil War, would you write a children's song saying I'm gonna kill me an N word maybe two or three? Like you wouldn't. You just wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. But that is apparently no, available it's... in like one of child like children's most revered movies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You'd expect it. Like, in a movie like, for example, 12 Years a Slave, yeah. it wouldn't be surprising for them to be saying that word, no. but this is supposed to be a kid's movie. Yeah, it's just weird. So we don't want for... kids to learn a song like that exactly. and be singing that and going to school and calling their friends that. Exactly, yeah. It's just... I it's see what you're saying. Rhetoric to you, use you, you make a very cartoon. valid point. Yeah, and you make a very valid point mm. on that. Like, it's it's a very interesting perspective in, in regards to that word. Mm-hmm. Um for it um now when it comes to a lot of your other opinions about this movie with the songs and music and and art i i think i'm with sarah with this where i humbly disagree explain to me then explain to me point out the differences as to why the artwork for this movie is better than the art for the lion king i i wouldn't say I it's better say that it, I wouldn't say it's better. I, it's not like an enormous step down. It's, I say it's a step down. Like it like, does not look as good as Lion King does. 
Well, it's also the settings as well. Like you can't have the glory, the wonderful settings of Africa when you're just doing uh, East Coast America. Well, I mean, you should be able to animate America to look as good as Africa. You're drawing it to make it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the songs, like I can sing along with pretty much all of these songs. Uh, like they're just. I really enjoy them. Like, Colors of the Wind is so good. Mm -hmm. And mind you, Mine, Mine, Mine isn't nearly as good as Be Prepared. It's not It's not going to be even on my top ten villain songs. No. Hmm. Um, I, like, I enjoy that, like, that one for what it is. It's just a really cool thing. Like, I also really enjoy John's, like, Mel Gibson's three lines in that song. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's singing. Yeah. This is like, I actually enjoyed his singing yeah. in that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but not going to lie, like, this is going to sound really insensitive after our conversation, but I really enjoy the, the song of Savages, like the, the second part, because I like the, I like the crescendo and the, and the conflict and the conflicting or uh, vocal performances and it's oh like between the two groups like yeah uh, okay. the three groups because it's it's groups, the two yeah, groups yeah. and Pocahontas uh, right. singing uh, over it right. and it's just a really great crescendo to the entire movie hmm. in vocal form and it's just like and I always love a song like a musical song that has two uh, or more parts that are con conflicting yet in chorus like we don't talk about bruno but <laughs> we don't talk about bruno is is not as much conflicting but uh, no for but what, like for, for example yeah. uh one of my favorite songs in a musical is in les miserables uh, called the confrontation mm -hmm. between uh, jean valjean and and javert yeah. yeah where it's just it's just perfect yeah like that that is how i feel so i love those those conflicting and then you just get these buildups and then you get the the lyrics of of why they are feeling these these ways granted the f gonna be honest on this one brandon the the film version of that song actually has a couple things that are toned down in comparison <laughs> with the soundtrack version oh interesting there's there's two or three phrases in it um in the film, um, right. uh, this is where Radcliffe is beginning. He's like, "Here's what you get when races are diverse." But in the in the soundtrack, it's their whole disgusting race is like a curse. Oh, that's Interesting. nice. And. Then there's another part where it's, um, Rad in the film it's Radcliffe says, let's go get a few men. But then in the soundtrack, it's let's go kill a few men. Hmm. So it's Why are similar these to, things um, we need to convey to our children? It's a good question. Because yeah, the is. history it doesn't is. carry it anything. It's all changed and distorted anyway. The actual mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. rhetoric of the songs is damaging. Like where I would put it in a light in a light like this, Brandon. It's 
It's um, like when I take my kids to the Human Rights Museum here. And I take them to the Holocaust wing. I'm not going to tell my, my six-year-old child exactly what happened at the Holocaust or the other, a number of these other wings. I'm going to try to teach them a way where it's slightly diluted, where they can understand it. So this is still a mature version. It's still very fairly mature, um, but it is diluted from the history, but not sugar not completely sugar-coated I don't buy it it feels in like it feels entirely sugar-coated if it wasn't sugar-coated she'd be 10 years old and John Smith would be a creepy man like if it wasn't sugar-coated and, things would and again I'm not I'm not <laughs> condoning the romanticization but it is like part of what happened and like the her stepping in front of her father to save his life was an event that happened and it's just telling trying to tell a story about the co the conflict and the the changes of people like the, the um, how the differences of people and the superiority complex that yeah. colonizers and that's that's like, like exhibit I feel like that's entirely fair I'm I'm just arguing there could have been an easier way to do that for children like, you don't need rhetoric like that yeah. for kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's yeah. valid. And, it's like, okay. it's okay for us all to have a different opinion about how we view yeah. a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the art on this one. It's not, I don't, it's not quite like Bambi or... Or like yeah, you're you're right on the on that like, but I'm not like it's not, it's not the worst art because there's like there's no. the, the sequences with, um, colors of the wind was quite beautiful as well like that that's stylized area, mm -hmm. and yeah like I'm not like I'm definitely not saying it mm -hmm. was bad art by any means, mm -hmm. I'm just saying like when you look at this film and you look at the Lion King before it. Like it's a step. Mm -hmm. It's a step back. But that's that's the thing. It's, it's hard. I wouldn't try to compare it as much with the Lion King itself because the Lion King is the gold standard. Fair, but a company can produce the Lion King. They can also keep up mm -hmm. standards. So you'd assume their next films, yeah. but it's not. It's a, it's a step back. Like it's not bad art. It, it's just the problem is that these ones were were also created simultaneously. So seeing how it worked for Lion That's King. That's fair. So they gave the good team to the Lion King Pocahontas. and the bad team to Pocahontas? Technically, it was the Not, reverse. Yeah, well, everybody wanted to work on Pocahontas. They thought Pocahontas was going to be the big hit. Well, it, mm -hmm. they were so wrong. So they actually <laughs> threw the younger, the younger, more inexperienced team towards that one, and then they uh, yeah, worked with that. And then the older team that worked on uh, like Beauty and the Beast worked on this one. Mm. Yeah, that's sorry, Sarah. That's interesting. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that is that is interesting, so, because like yeah. Lion King is like by far the superior movie. Yeah, like I say, it Lion King, in regards to animation, is the gold standard. Yeah, it is, it is the the pinnacle. Yeah, 
And I do think I do think like they it, definitely step back for this one though. Like it's not it's not on par, but it does make sense that they were made yeah. together. Then it kind of mm-hmm. shows that I yep. guess. But now get to the next film. Ooh, the art and stuff is just. So... <sighs> I don't remember what the next one is. Are you, Sorry. like, having good chills, or are you... <laughs> yes, it's okay. Hunchback. Hunchback, okay. oh, right. Yeah. I couldn't tell if that Hunchback was a good amazing. chill or not. <laughs> yeah. Hunchback is, is amazing in every way. Fair. Yeah. And I'm if, believe me, if we that. are talking about a movie that is not for children, uh, you're going <laughs> to find Hunchback, a very different movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, Hellfire. Yeah, yeah. My kids like yeah. Modern day Disney movies are definitely more kids movies than yeah. like Renaissance Disney movies. Like Frozen. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. No arguments there. Like Renaissance, man, they pushed some envelopes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we're I, we'll just keep on getting into them as we go along with this, but mm-hmm. we'll keep it. And <laughs> and even some of the. Um, I don't know. Whatever. We'll we'll say we'll talk about the films as they as they come along. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had a bit of of uh, just stuff written down about the history and stuff, but I guess we talked about that. Like the biggest qualm that I have with this movie is the romanticization. It's weird between the two. Um, the music of this film. I love the music of this film. I sing along with. I have so much of it. I have like so much of the score on my, on my playlists. Like the score, I love the score of this well, film. It's Alan Menken. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. like you go. <laughs> He's to, like, amazing. The, like you go to like even like the finale of it, where it's just like, sit like, can you feel like, uh, um, like. Where there, you can hear the colors of the wind parts in as she's like running, and mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, all these moments with her is just, it just feels great. So, two other, I think I have two other points to make about this film. Um, the villain, not the best villain, but at least you could believe some of his motivations. Yeah, he's just greedy. This, like, he just wanted gold. He's he's, gr- he's greedy and and wanted glory. Like he talks about how he was just like a wash up, wash out at court. And I mean, this is Elizabethan time, so it's you know court life in England is very important. Yeah. Um. And I also know historically at this point, uh, the Spaniards and the Portuguese and stuff were like ravaging the. South America and Central America for tons and tons of gold and stuff so like it's believable that idiot white people thought that there might be gold someplace else because I mean they were uh, you know ravaging the uh, Aztecs and the Mo- and the Incas at that point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they definitely got their fair share of gold thrown into it um, historically speaking but yeah, Radcliffe is a good villain, like a decent. I'm not gonna say the, the like a great villain, but he's a decent villain. But I also love his sidekick. <laughs> yeah, I like the dog too. Like, yeah, the dog is cool. 
But yeah, I just love like pretty much any line that um, that the the manservant gives. Oh. Pretty much every line that he gives is 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 hilarious. <laughs> like uh, there's the moment where he's in the the tent and he's just like, oh, Wiggins, why do you think those heathens attacked us? Because we we uh, uh, we cut down their trees, dug up their earth, and and took over and took over their land. No, it's not that. <laughs> But it is. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like. Yeah. Uh. Yep. I love it. So yeah, that is my deep dive with Zach. We're gonna move it over to fun facts and trivia with Sarah. All right. So the funny thing is, this first fun fact is that fifty-five animators were involved in designing the single character Pocahontas. So the movie that Brandon says is a step back in animation had a lot of animators <laughs> involved. <laughs> Hope they all did, they didn't all get paid. <laughs> they they did indeed. The, I, I will say I don't believe it's a popular opinion that this animation is not as or is the opinion you have, I don't think, is a popular opinion. Not that it's wrong. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> Personally, I don't agree with you. I think this is a beautiful movie. But that's okay. Fair. We don't have to agree. Um, um. So, uh, the character of Pocahontas, voiced by Irene Bedard. I would... Quick disclaimer before I fully dive into this. If I say any of these names of people or places or tribes or whatever wrong, I am so sorry. Continuing on, Irene Bedard, who voiced Pocahontas, she also served as the physical model for the character, so mm. the animation was influenced by her physicalities, and that's the case for a lot of the characters. They modeled them after the people who voiced them, cool. so they would be like similar to them, which I think is fun. Um, Pocahontas featured the first interracial romance seen in a Disney film. Which, though historically inaccurate, is interesting and cool <laughs> that they did that. Um, the film was released on the 400th anniversary of Pocahontas' birth year. So we don't know the exact date of her birthday, yeah. but she was believed to have been born in 1595, and it was released in 1995, and that was intentional from what i gather hmm. um to make that like a marketing thing um this is fun john candy was gonna be in this movie interesting is who he was going he was going to voice a character named red feather a turkey that was going to be pocahontas sidekick but then they made all the animals mute like they're not talking animals in this mm. movie and then he passed away while they were making it so they just cut the character oh, completely okay. I think a talking turkey would have really pulled you out of the movie. It would have been weird, like it, yeah. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. this, I like that the animals don't talk in this one. They have personalities, of course. Yeah. But, like, more realistic than if they were talking. Well, s similar to, like, like what we were do talking about with Bambi. It was just, like, they have personalities, but they don't need to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, it would have been interesting with John Candy, but I, I, I was about to say I'm yeah, glad he's a... not in it, but that feels insensitive because he passed away. But you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> he is in a different Disney movie, and he's is amazing in that one. Which one? Rescuers Down Under. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I thought you were going to say um, cool so... warnings. 
Uh, it was created as we talked about at the same time as Lion King and as we talked about the animators fought over which film they wanted to be on and they wanted to be on Pocahontas because they thought it would be more of a hit clearly they were wrong Yep. people do love Pocahontas but Lion King like is so popular to this day right now Huggies is doing a special Disney 100 diaper collection it's got the Lion King on it yeah which obviously I know because I have a toddler. <laughs> she points out every day that there's lions on her diapers. Um, every scene was rewritten at least 35 times because writers Susanna Grant, Carl Binder, and Philip Lazebnik were so set on getting it right. So this is the story they intended to tell because they rewrote it a lot to get there, which is whether that was good or not depends on your opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it took them five years to complete the movie, thanks to animation techniques at the time. Um, I think five years, maybe the way that is worded, maybe five years was fairly quick, and maybe that's why the animation feels different, because it was quicker, I'm not sure. Um, I didn't dive into that too much. Um, it's one of two Disney films, as of the time that I grabbed from this article, I, Zach will correct me if this is wrong now, it's one of two Disney films that tell a true story. Are there more than Pocahontas and Mulan true at this point? True story. Based on a true story. Yeah. <laughs> on, a on a character who was actually alive. Yeah. Is it still just Disney and Mulan? Or is it still just Pocahontas and Mulan? I couldn't think um, of another one. Yeah, especially of the recent ones. No, I. That's that's all I can think of. Yeah, okay. Um, Disney plots tend to be based on other stories or folklore from history. These were real-life stories, and obviously this one was inspired by Pocahontas and John Smith, though many critics do bash this movie for its historical inaccuracies and potentially damaging Native American stereotypes. Yep. So there you go. The critics agree with you. <laughs> um, so although it was based on something in real life, they strayed away from the truth quite considerably. I feel like the way I said that makes it sound like I don't agree with you. I do agree with you. Yeah. Um, I'm not arguing what you, what, how you felt about that. <laughs> Two other people were lined up to play Governor Ratcliffe. We're going to play a game of Guess the Actors. So one of them is a Star Trek actor. We've talked about him before. Jonathan Fox? No. Patrick. Oh. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart, yeah. Um, and the other one... Richard White. No, it's... Uh, what is he in? I should have looked this up before I played the game. I know who this person is, but my mind is completely blanking on what he's actually been in, so I can give you a hint. But Patrick Stewart as Governor Rackley. Would have been good. Would have been interesting. He can sing. I don't think I've ever heard him sing. I feel like I... I believe... What yeah, has he okay. sung in? I feel like he's sang before, hasn't he? Maybe he hasn't. Oh, you very well may be right, and I just haven't seen it. I'm not questioning yeah, maybe it. Maybe he hasn't. I don't know. I can't I don't know. place it. Yeah, the other you one. You might be thinking Ian McKellen. I might be thinking Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen can sing, right? Because, well, he was in Cats. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't need to get into that. So, the other actor they considered to play him is in. I had to confirm this because I thought I was picturing the wrong person, but I was picturing the right one. One of my favorite movies, V for Vendetta. Hugo Weaving? Hugo Weaving? 
not Hugo Weaving. He's also in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as the narrator. Not not John Hurt. Okay, well, no, it's not. It's it's the guy who plays um, Mycroft in the in the Robert Stephen Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. It there is Stephen Fry. Patrick Stewart would have been better. Although, again, questioning the voice. Yeah. But eventually, obviously voiced by David Ogden Steers, who is a Disney guy. Mm. Uh, but we'll get into all his other parts later. Um, Billy Connolly landed a voiceover role in Braveheart because of his work on Pocahontas. After hearing his portrayal of Ben, he was hired to voice King Robert of Scotland in Braveheart. Interesting. So that's kind of funny. I didn't know there were any voice roles I love in Braveheart. I, to be completely honest with you, have never seen Braveheart, so. <laughs> You're almost I wouldn't, off. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's really no, good, the but only again, thing, historically inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. The only t- thing another, I've seen. I think there was another uh, film that uh, talked about, like, the Braveheart uh, thing, or, like, that, that period recently that was much better with Chris Pine. The Outlaw King, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. I love Chris Whatever. Pine. Sorry. Um, the only Who thing doesn't? I've seen of Braveheart, a lot of people don't like Chris Pine. <laughs> In the grand I scheme guess. of Chris's. Um, but anyways, Braveheart at a youth event one time. I don't know if you guys know Justin Bradbury. He used to be an officer. Um, Maybe. Okay. He was in training college with my parents, but he's not an officer anymore. He's in the Wesleyan Church now, and he's actually he actually does church plants. He was here recently for a research for one. Anyways, he was the speaker at a youth weekend, and he came out painted like Braveheart and did the speech for us. That's cool. It was it was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, that was cool. My question. Continuing. Yes. Is any of our listeners or anybody gonna? I guess mo- we're mostly Salvationists listening to us, maybe, eh? For those that don't know, a Salvation Army officer is a pastor. So such a weird thing to talk about sometimes. Next fun fact. uh, Rather than letting someone else do it and intertwining their voices, Mel Gibson provided the singing voice for his character, John Smith. Pretty good singing, if I say so myself. I really liked it. Uh, Does one better than Zac Efron in High School Musical 1. So... Pretty good for Mel Gibson. Uh, the song, If I Never Knew You, was originally scrapped for being too boring. So if you watched it on Disney+, Plus, Brandon, you wouldn't have seen this song. Mm. They sing it when, when he's tied up in the tent and she goes in to see him and they have that really, really horribly corny moment where he's like, I would live a thousand lives or yeah. would die, whatever, whatever it is he said. Um, they sing a song at that point called If I Never Knew You. I don't know if you observed the song that played during the end credits, but that's it. Yeah. It's so horribly boring. <laughs> like, it was the right choice to remove it. I wish they had also changed the the dialogue in that scene as well, because I just think it's... It's really bad. When I was watching it yesterday, I was like... Oh, <laughs> I love romance. I'm so into romance. I am such a corny person. Even I was like, ugh, this is <laughs> gross. So, anyways. Quick, it quick was... question. Your level of corniness, are you, like, in, in love with The Notebook or not The Notebook? I like The Notebook. I am okay. a Nicholas Sparks fan. I like to read the books and I like to watch some of the movies. Uh, Safe Haven is my favorite one, though. And I also love A Walk to Remember. Anyways, that 
I could go on and on about Nicholas Sparks, so we should not go there. Um, but the this song, If I Never Knew You, was added into the film for the 10th anniversary DVD release. But if you watch it, the animation changes because they added it in later and it's worse. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Well, it's just not good. It's very noticeable. Yes, it's like, a noticeable I, I, change. I, I, yeah, I owned that, that DVD edition. Yeah, <laughs> I... It was right to remove. Um, like, uh, but you can also, uh, if you watch the movie and you listen to the scores, you can definitely feel the impact of that score mm-hmm. throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Like for that song, you like you can you can hear yeah. the, the, the yeah score it's definitely in the score. Yeah. Everyone saw it come in, and my brain would go, "Oh no." <laughs> um, the music for it is lovely. It's just like not. A good song. Okay, another game. There was another actor considered to voice John Smith. Uh, first hint, when he is in things, his character always dies. John Hurt. Sean Bean. No. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously he didn't get it. I believe what I had read was it was something about singing. I don't know if Sean Bean sings, mm. but I could be I don't think he can. Wrong. Never heard him. I can't, I can't see Eddard Stark singing. You never know. Maybe a drinking song. Yeah. I could see him and Robert Brathian getting drunk and singing together. <laughs> um, the original lyrics from the song Savages were too racist for the final cut and were changed. Yeah, I think they're too racist now. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, they referred to dirty redskin devils being a disgusting race like a curse. And I believe that was one of the lyrics you mentioned, right? Zach? Yeah. Discuss- yeah. Um, obviously it's still not great. Um, Percy the Pug is historically accurate. The Mm. research director, Mike Gabriel, discovered that British royalty used to carry small dogs with them during the early 17th century. So maybe not like specifically a pug named Percy, but they very well could have just been carrying a little dog with them. Okay. So, Uh, so historically plausible. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Christian Bale's character Thomas originally had an Irish accent and then a Scottish accent and then they settled on an English accent. <laughs> well, we got B- Billy Connolly's accent. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so, getting into history now. As we've discussed, John Smith and Pocahontas were not lovers. They weren't even close in age because Pocahontas was around 11 or 12 when they arrived in the New World. And John Smith was somewhere in his late 20s. Um, existing documents were written by Smith that said that Pocahontas may have been in love with him, but she, like, there's varying stories. He seems to have been someone with a very large ego that wanted mm-hmm. to paint himself in a certain way. Um, she probably could have viewed him as a father figure and friend rather than a love interest. Um and then after saving his life from her father, Chief Powhatan, Pocahontas would help Smith translate and learn Algonquin during his time as their prisoner. Uh, he would barter with the chief for food and other goods until his return to Ung- England in 1609 after a gunpowder accident. And even with his written accounts, he was viewed as a liar and an embellisher. So he's not like the smooth, charismatic guy <laughs> you see played by Mel Gibson. Um, He tried to make himself out as the hero of the story and used it to get out of sticky situations, especially after he went down a dark path and tried for mutiny by the Virginia company. Mm -hmm. So, so, so so let me get this straight. 
He's not like that. He's more like Zap Brannigan. I, I don't know who that is. Like he's, he's not like from Futurama. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't watch Futurama. <laughs> uh, uh, po- yeah. yeah. So we all know her as Pocahontas, but that's not her actual name. Her actual name was, and I probably won't say this right, Amonute. A-M-O-N-U-T-E. Um, close friends and family called her Matoaka. Pocahontas is a nickname that was given to her by her tribe, and it means playful one or ill-behaved child. <laughs> she was happy. Yeah. She was happy and inquisitive, which explains just around the river band and just around the river bend and poking around English settlements. And after converting to Christianity and becoming baptized in 1613, her name was changed to Rebecca, and that was her name till she died. Um, one thing they did get right in there in the film was her marriage to John Rolfe. That doesn't happen in this one, obviously. Pocahontas two in the second one has a whole other romance, mm-hmm. but it's not a good movie. So Mm-mm. there's a step down in animation. <laughs> significantly um but anyways so the second film with her romance there um and then the inclusion of kokuam as well it's not confirmed but she did marry a member of the nearby potawam potawamic tribe in 1610 so she did marry kokuam actually Mm. um whether or not he resembles the interpretation in disney is a mystery but she gets captured by Captain Samuel Argall on his ship in 1613 and becomes a prisoner in the first Anglo-Powhatan War. And while in prison, she meets the widowed tobacco farmer John Rolfe, and they both fall in love. With her father's consent and her conversion to Christianity, they married in April 1614. And they don't really know what happened to Kokuam, but they most historians believe she got divorced because that was allowed in her culture. Hmm. So, could have happened better ending than what happens in the movie where he gets shot and dies doesn't she like um, go to england and die though yes we're getting there okay. <laughs> for how young she died a lot happened to her <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah she had married Kokoam, then she ends up marrying john rolf uh she had siblings don't see that in the movie she was revered as her father's favorite she lived like a princess and she was called his delight and darling and he would do anything apparently to see her smile according to the mataponi people which are pocahontas's descendants her mother died while giving birth and he really cared for pocahontas because she closely resembled her mother in both looks and spirit so Hmm. she was the favorite apparently Um, She not only earned her nickname for her playfulness and spirit, but also because her people didn't want the new settlers to find out who she was. The Powhatan people believed if the new settlers found out who she was, they would use that information to harm her. But even without knowing her name, they did it anyways. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, When she befriended John Smith, she became the peacekeeper between the two groups and she negotiated between her father and Smith. Um, the British and the Native Americans held a shaky truce where they traded weapons, food, and other goods. But by 1608, the truce, the truce failed, and once again, both troop, troop, oh my gosh, both groups were at war with each other. And she tried to keep the peace, but didn't work. Um, surprisingly, a young child, a young girl, was not able to keep the peace between two large groups of angry men <laughs> who would 
who would have thought? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of versions of what happened during her life. There's the Matt Pony people's version, the British version, and what we know as fact. People didn't keep records properly back then. Um, so a lot of her life does remain a mystery, but uh, we do know that the British weren't all that accepting of her. The Virginia Company wanted their efforts in America to look good not only to the rest of England, but to the king and queen as well. And they wanted the rest of the world to say, hey, look, we successfully converted savages to Christianity and cross-racial marriage. Yay us. Um, but even though it seemed like she was treated like royalty, she was sort of passed off as like a curiosity or like a freak show. Like, hey, look what we brought back from America. Um, so it was just political bringing her to England. And then, in March of 1617, when she was 21 years old, she died. So, only 21 years old, and all of that stuff happened to her. She had a son named Thomas, and she died next to him and her husband. They still don't know exactly what she died from. She got sick right before she was about to go back to America. Um, she was taken ashore at Gravesend, England, and her last words were, All must die, but tis enough that my child liveth. Which is really, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, like I said, uncertain how she died, but they believe it was either tuberculosis, pneumonia, dysentery, or smallpox. Could, at that time, really Picky be any of those things. poison at that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mataponi oral history says she was poisoned. And it's said that her sister, Matachana, was present when she died. And it wasn't until after dinner that she became violently ill. So they believed someone poisoned her food, but... They don't really know what happened for sure. Mm, um, she, yeah, she never made it back to her tribe in America, and it's believed that her final resting place is in Gravesend, England, but the funeral was not well documented, and it's believed she rests under a particular church in that town, but it burned down in 1727, erasing any hints of her grave. So, never know where she actually mm, okay. was laid to rest, yeah. Um, and even though there are English and Mataponi oral histories that contradict each other about the facts of her life, one thing is obvious that she left an impression on history. When the chief found out about his daughter, daughter's death, he became emotionally destroyed and he also died a year later. Oh, wow. Um, the, yeah. And then the relationship between the Powhatans and the Jamestown settlers descended into utter disrepair. In 1622, the conflict reached its height and resulted in the Jamestown Massacre. And, ironically, one of the victims of that massacre was Pocahontas' husband, John Rolfe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, there you go. Quite the history. <laughs> um, and her story, as you can see, has lasted over 400 years, resulting in this Disney film and nine other films, including Terrence Malick's The New World. So, there's a lot more ways oh. to tell her story. Is that like a Terrence uh, Malick film? Or? <laughs> Christian Bale's in that one. Is he? When was it? He plays John Rolfe. When was it released? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't take note of that. Uh, it would be uh, late two thousands, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Let's see. Oh, searching the wrong thing. Oh my gosh, two thousand five. Ah. 2005. Colin Farrell is John Smith. Oh, I've never seen this movie, but I do like remember seeing trailers and stuff for it. I didn't realize there was mm -hmm. another Pocahontas thing. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it just as bad? Like, she looks like to be... Is it, like, another relationship thing? Well, I don't know if her relationship is with John Smith in this one or not. Hmm. I, I haven't seen this. Christopher Plummer's in it. Is it, like, a regular movie, or is it, like, a weird Terrence Malick movie? I don't know. Live action. But it's Terrence Malick. Of course it's going to be weird and, and prolonged. It's a... I think I it's guess, a three-hour movie. I guess we'll have to watch it. Yeah. No. The next special <laughs> for making a Disney fan. <laughs> <laughs> making a Terrence Malick fan. Yeah. Um. Anyways. I tried watching Th- Thin Red Line. I, it was just so boring. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Uh, final couple of facts. When this film opened on June 10th, 1995, it was the world's largest premiere in history. Uh, they showed it in Central Park to an estimated crowd of about 100,000 attendees that included such big-name figures as Caroline Kennedy, then-Mayor Rudy Giuliani, former Disney CEO Michael Eisner, and many others. And it included a live performance of Colors of the Wind by Vanessa Williams. Cool. Sounds like it would have been pretty cool to go. And mm. finally, for my fun facts before we get into cast and crew, it won Best Original Score and Best Original Song at the Oscars for Colors of the Wind. Like beating The Lion King? They didn't come out the same year. Oh. They were made at the same time. They didn't come out at the same time. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Lion King won Oscars That's just the nature of animation. Who did they beat? Zach the I'm going to have to look this up. For Best Original Score, Uh, what was the year? 96. Best Original Song, it beat out uh, Toy Story. What year? 96. Uh, 95. It's the 96 Oscars, though. Oh, 96 Oscars. Sorry. Okay. Colors of the Wind. Um, yeah, Toy Story. A Bruce Springsteen song, a Brian Adams song, a John Williams song, and a Randy Newman song. That ain't right. <laughs> I love the song, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right, let's get into the people involved. Uh, I'll do crew first because I only made note of one person. We already talked about him. Alan Menken did the music. Yep. He's amazing. And Thank Stephen you, Schwartz. Alan Menken. Stephen Schwartz. I didn't even look at that part. I just looked at Alan Menken because <laughs> he's just wonderful. Once Howard Ashman's gone, it's like, uh, uh, whatever. Um, anyways. Cast. Irene Bedard, like we talked about, played Pocahontas. She is also in an episode of Pepper Ann. Do you guys remember Pepper Ann? I do remember Pepper Ann. Yeah. I don't remember watching, or like, what goes on in the in it, but I remember Pepper yeah. Ann. Yeah, I just, the theme song will get stuck in my head randomly. <laughs> um, she also is, of course, in Ralph Breaks the Internet, in the scene with all of the Disney princesses talking to Vanellope. Hmm. Um, she voices Pocahontas in that. And then the Pocahontas singing voice is Judy Kuhn, and she's also in Enchanted and Mulan 2. (laughs) Mel Gibson, John Smith, not in another Disney thing. Um, Christian Bale, Thomas, the only close to being in a Disney thing. Thor Love and Thunder. (laughs) True, yeah. (laughs) Um, Billy Connolly. No, no, no. um... There is one other. There is one movie that Christian Bale has done that is very Disney. What? Uh, nineteen ninety 
1993 or 1994's musical live action, The Newsies, which he starred Is The Newsies Disney? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. When I'm scrolling through IMDb to get these lists, if I don't know Mm -hmm. that it's Disney or suspect that it's Disney, I don't click into it. And I didn't realize Newsies was Disney, but... Yep. That makes sense. Um, Billy Connolly, Ben, he's also in Brave. No surprise there. Mm -hmm. That Scottish accent. Um, And he's in something called The Ballad of Nessie. Interesting. Never. Uh, I haven't seen that one myself. No, me neither. Had never heard of it till today. Uh, Linda Hunt is Grandmother Willow. The closest she's come to another Disney thing is Solo, a Star Wars story. (laughs) So... There you go. Um, but she's in a lot of stuff. John Cassier played Miko. He has done many, many voices. I didn't list them all because he's a voice actor. Same with Danny Mann as Percy, also a voice actor, also many voices. Uh, David Ogden Steers, Ratcliffe. He's also in Lilo and Stitch, a few Winnie and the Pooh TV mm. shows, Teacher's Pet, Atlantis, Beauty and the Beast, 101 Dalmatians, and... You want to say the last one, Zach? Oh, yeah. um, uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, there you uh, go. He actually also <laughs> he he also voiced uh, the manservant uh, Wiggins. Yeah. Um, and then the last two we have the voice of Flick, Frank Welker, and the voice of singing voice of Powhatan and Kakata, Jim Cummings. Now, my final game for you: Who has more? credits to their name on imdb frank welker or jim cummings i'm gonna say welker cummings okay it is welker he has 894 and cummings only has 593 wow he's slacking welker is specializing in the in the many different animal sounds yeah which is which is a harder talent than trying to voices and stuff yeah uh, more multiple voices like Welker was was capable of, of making lion roars and monkey noises for a boo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jim Cummings is, has done a lot more like characters. Like, yeah, Jim Cummings does characters, and a lot of times people just want to do other voice actors. But Welker's talents are unique yeah. and skilled. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's it for me. Anything you want to share that I missed, Zach? Um. The reason why Pocahontas had so many animators, uh, from my understanding of it, is because they wanted to create, like, a perfect person. Hmm. Like, all the, like, her features and her movements and stuff, they wanted her to be, like, the pinnacle of, hmm. of perfection of, of uh, what a human could look like. Yeah. Probably should have focused on the rest of the movie, too. <laughs> well, that w- that's a story aspect not an animation aspect mm. or design aspect but no brandon's saying that the animation isn't great so they shouldn't uh, have focused on the, just animating her yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um one other thing i wanted to talk about uh, just like a quick note is um in regards to attributes of a of disney princesses mm-hmm. when it comes to pocahontas the the primary attribute that i put towards her would be wisdom whereas like Mm, wisdom is not always 
Well, wisdom is not always from. I'd say from she's guided by love like, instead of like wisdom. In yeah. this, yeah. Because she she's like smart. puts her people at risk. <laughs> she almost causes an entire wisdom war. Wisdom is different than intelligence. I know, but she doesn't make very good choices. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that Pocahontas is too wise in this film. What What no. is your argument that she is? The fact that she's trying to understand and stands up for herself at the same time, stands up for her for her people, yet takes the moments to learn about the the person that is in front of her, hmm. and also seeing, like literally at the end, where it's just like this is where the path of hate has brought us. Like understanding what hate brings. And fear. Well, maybe if you're attributing is, a feature or a trait to her, then it would be more like empathy or something like that. Because yeah. she tries yeah. to see both sides and find a common yeah. ground from that. Maybe. Yeah. I can see what you're saying, though. Because she makes a lot of very questionable yeah. choices. And, like, even though she does try to, like find that common understanding like that middle ground that like who we are this is what like we do to each other anything her poor choices put her in that situation and despite all of her learning between like what she learns about him and grows and all of her growth she still caused that incident (laughs) very very unwise in my books yeah if you think of her as an 11 or 12 year old then it makes sense. Then it makes total sense. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but she's clearly not eleven yeah, or twelve. If they would have just took out the romance and put her as a kid and probably told the real story, mm-hmm. like you probably would have had a much better film. I feel like at this point in Disney, they think they have to have romance yeah. to draw in an audience. Mm-hmm. Which, like we're getting know. now movies where it's not like Encanto. Yeah, I was gonna romance. say there's no romance in Frozen. Encanto or even like Turning Red. I don't think, except she's in love yeah. with like the boy band. But like, yeah. Like, I, Frozen has a love story, but the core of it is the sister story. Like, yeah. There's more stuff about family and about growing up. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I understand why they would think they need romance to draw people in because there are, like, they're trying to draw in a broad audience where they've got romance yeah. and they've got the music and they've got the action and, like, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now Disney sees, like, we don't need rom- Moana, too. There's yeah. no romance in there. It's a coming-of-age story. Yeah. Yeah, part of it would also go in line with like the, with the business side of it, and just like, oh, this worked for Little Mermaid, this worked yeah. for Beauty and the Beast, this worked for, well, I also like for Aladdin, yeah. just like, I, yeah. I also feel like this movie could have hit harder if it was like more, like authentic to, ages and stuff. Because imagine mm-hmm. the moment when the chief is gonna go clobber John Smith's head. And a ten-year-old saves him. Would have been yeah. way more better, and that's probably how it actually happened. So, yeah. like, I feel like they could have had a better story, but they threw in that romance and had to twist everything out of proportion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. On that note, uh, we're gonna do with our. Our favorite and least favorite stuff and final thoughts on Metagrade. So, I'm uh, going to go with our 
favorite musical moment, uh, Sarah? Um, as I've said, I love the music in this movie. Uh, but my favorite part of the, or favorite song would actually be Just Around the Riverbend. I love Colors of the Wind, but I love Just Around the Riverbend just a little bit more. Hmm. All right, Brandon, what is your favorite musical moment? Um, I am honestly going to say Colors of the Wind, but the truth is it's the only one that I remember lyrics for that aren't inherently racist. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the music in this one, but if I was going to choose a high point, probably like the titular song or the commercial song, the trailer song, like Colors of the Wind it mm-hmm. up, that works for me. All right. Well, I'm just going to stick with what I've enjoyed, and I'm st- still going to say like what I said before. Like I enjoy the, the Savages Part 2. It's a hot take, I know, but it's just what, like the, in regards to the film, mm-hmm. I enjoy that part yeah. of like the song and stuff. All right. Um, moving on to least favorite moment. I'll begin with this one. Uh, my least favorite is the romance. Fair. It's not a great romance. There's a lot of better Disney romances. Oh, hands down. Than these, than hands down. We, we, we've been through better romances already on this podcast. Yeah. Like Bambi's a yeah. better romance, and they're all being titillated. <laughs> or fl- Twitter pated. Sorry, not titillated. Twitter pated. <laughs> Twitter yeah. Um, and like. Is like well, as much a, a, objections with like the Stockholm syndrome. Even that is better. Yeah. With uh, with in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Well, when I was this. when I was watching this last night too, I was like, wait, they're already in love. Like, it happens this fast. Like, I like Pocahontas, mm-hmm. but it's been a long time since I watched it, and I was just kind of like, I thought there was more before suddenly they don't want to like stop seeing each other and leave each like they've known each other for like an hour yeah have they mm-hmm. not like that's i know romance happens really fast in disney movies but that seemed it's a bit much a lot especially for two people mm-hmm. that are so different and the fact that she magically now knows how to speak english yeah because i yes. don't think that she would know how to speak english <laughs> That is they, true. They, she just like magically picks it up too. Like she just starts speaking it's like, English yeah. and the animals She's, are like, holy sh-. <laughs> She speaks in Algonquin, I'm assuming, at yeah. the start. Mm-hmm. And says hello to him. Or says something to him. I don't know what she says because I don't speak it. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly the music li- or the magic like swirls around and then she knows how to introduce herself. And all yeah. That. It's like, mm, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. So dumb. So. The native uh, magic Sarah, powers. is that your least favorite moment? No, my least favorite moment is the romance in the tent. Like, Uh, vomit. Yeah. So lame. Just his whole little speech to her. You (laughs) just met this girl, like, yesterday. Yeah. Chill out, dude. You've been Mm -hmm. all around the world, and you're telling me that right now, this girl you just met is, like, this fantastic, wonderful... Like, you guys have spent, like, maybe two hours of your time together, too. Like... I am not one to poo-poo on quick romances, especially someone who has, like, worked at camp and experienced camp relationships. Like, (laughs) you fall in love fast in close quarters, whatever. Yep. But they've literally only known each other for a couple of hours. (laughs) Like, 
<laughs> Which is all think... it takes some camp people, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is that love or it's one hundred percent not love. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think honestly, watching this again, I like Pocahontas less than I did. Mm. But I still love the music, and I think I'll always love the music. All right, Brandon, least favorite. Uh, my least favorite moment is I'm going to kill me an engine, maybe two or three. I think it has no place in children's movies. If I would have like re- heard that song in like a 14A, 18A movie, you know, I wouldn't have given a crap. Like I would have just yeah. been fine with it. But like mm-hmm. honestly, for a children's movie, like that's too much. That's easily my least favorite part of this movie, and the fact that they feel the need to reprise that song later is like, come on. <laughs> okay, so moving on to favorite moments, Sarah. Mm, um, that's a very good question. I I don't think I can pinpoint an exact moment. I think it's just. The music, speci- specifically music involving Pocahontas herself, because I think that that... Okay, so uh, a score accompanying Pocahontas. Not score, like music that oh, she's singing. Scores? Like the okay. songs that she sings. Mm-hmm. That's... Um, Brandon, what is your favorite moment? Uh, my favorite moment would be at the end when the two forces are about to fight, and then the like clouds come in, from like opposite sides and they're like gonna fight and then the clouds but they're not like clouds they're like shadows of the people i guess and mm-hmm. then they meet and the most unnecessary lightning bolt comes out and it like shoots out there's no reason for it to be there it's just one of those like badass like manly moments like put a lightning bolt in it brother and like <laughs> Here's good. Good moment. <laughs> All right. Um, I think one of my favorite moments, I'm having a hard time pin, pinning it down, but I definitely like the Miko flip dynamic. Hmm. Miko and Flick are fun. Yeah. Man. Or even like the, no, 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 no. It's the Miko Percy dynamic. Oh, yeah. I was. It is just hilarious. I was going to say like the other moment I was debating on would be the uh, the indigenous pug at the end. When he just embraces yeah, indigenous yeah. culture and he's got like his feathers on and stuff. I'm like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> Go off, pug. Go off. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's good physical comedy. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do final thoughts and a letter grade now. Um Let's do this like we did last time. Brandon. Okay. Uh, I think the movie is fairly decent storyline-wise if you ignore everything. Uh, There's a lot to ignore. I think the songs have rhetoric that shouldn't be in children's movies, personally. Like, I don't care if it's 18A. Do what you want. But, like, in a children's movie, those songs are just damaging. I think the representations of the indigenous people are very generalized and stereotyped. And I think we just, they perpetuate that stereotype of natives are magic. Like, because we live off the earth, we somehow talk to animals and trees and stuff. Um, So I think that, like, 
the overall display of the indigenous people is damaging and not great. I think the animation did take a step back. Like I, I don't think it's as good as the Lion King, and I do think there's a considerable margin between the two. I'm not gonna say it's bad by any means, but it's it's not great. Um, and the songs, honestly, none of them are catchy to me. Like I would never sing a single one of these. I don't even remember how any of them go anymore. Like I can say "Colors of the Wind," but I'm pretty sure that's "Beauty and the Beast." Yeah, and I couldn't, yep. I couldn't tell you how to correct that. That's how ineffectual the music was for me in this. Um, overall, fun, maybe a uh, little frustrating. I'm gonna give it like a D plus. All right, Sarah. Final thoughts and a letter grade. Uh, like I said, I like it less now. It's not uh, as amazing as it was in my head, um, but I do still love the music, and I still think it's beautiful, and I'd probably put it at a B. Um, it's not like I'm never going to watch it again. It just... Mm-hmm. I may reconsider where I put it in my overall Disney movie standings. Um, Fair. Yeah, that's where, mm-hmm. I, where I sit. All right, so for... My final score on this and final thoughts. Um, Brandon makes some very valid points that really makes me think a lot more than most people have in the past. <laughs> okay. I great. Well, I I respect you a lot and your opinions, and you are very good at making me understand things. I don't know. It's like. <laughs> Oh yeah, I I, resp- I respect your your debate ability. Cool. <laughs> like, um, so this film has its issues. I'm still going to be watching it in the future. I I enjoy it. Like, I love the music, as I've made very clear. I really, uh, in regards to Prince, like the, um. Uh, Renaissance era princesses. Pocahontas has fewer flaws than than a number of them, uh, than most of them. Like she's very independent and very capable. Um, you know, but the rom- the romance is definitely a big shutdown on in a lot of that regards. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give this one a B plus for me just because like I'm still going to watch it I still find a lot of redeeming qualities in it at the same time yeah for me for me but yeah lower than I thought I would have given it but yeah I'm gonna give it a B plus that's fair <laughs> I think this is the lowest I've given a renaissance film too like I think I've been mm. pretty good with the renaissance as as far as like liking them has gone so far, like what have we done yeah. so far? Well, I don't think you really approved very much of the Little Mermaid. Did I not? I think he liked Little Mermaid oh, more yeah. than he liked Beauty I... and the Beast. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. I remember I was a little hard on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but all right. 
It's been probably like a year since we recorded those episodes. <laughs> That's true, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I don't know. So, you know, fell flat for the mm-hmm. for the renaissance this week, but it's okay. <laughs> well, well, the next renaissance is going to happen. We're, we're going to have to have to schedule a bit of extra time for that one. Which one is next? Oh, Hunchback? Yeah. Because yeah. I have a lot to say about that. A bit of extra time. We're at almost two hours recording on this episode right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe, we can do maybe, it in I'll this I'll probably end up doing mini episodes of me just ranting about how amazing Hunchback is in every single way. <laughs> um, so next episode, we will be uh, going over to... Pixar for Finding Nemo. Finding oh, Nemo, okay. Yay. Oh, I gotta convince Daisy to watch it. We've tried, and she kind of got into it, but I gotta try again. <laughs> Evangeline seems to like Finding Dory more. I think that that's fair. Finding Dory is more fun, I think. Mm. Like, for kids to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the next one is Finding Nemo, then Cinderella, then Hunchback of Notre Dame. So, got a nice sandwich for Brandon there with the crap in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I think as far as the the old ones we've watched, the Cinderella is not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? I'm you know like what you're getting with Cinderella. Yeah, may, yeah maybe, maybe Brandon will, will like this, this classic. I mean, I'm sure it'll be you, better than Bambi. <laughs> And you really, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's Cinderella the same story. Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Sarah, where can our fans reach us? You can reach us on Instagram at makingadisneyfan.pod. Please DM us, leave us comments, like, follow, all the things that you do over there. Um, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us reviews, ratings, whatever it is you can leave us. Um, We really like to hear from you, and if you leave us a comment, we will probably read it on the podcast, though you probably won't hear it till months after you leave it, just with the way our recording goes, but we'd like to hear from you. We like to know your thoughts, Um, and yeah, go find us. All right. Until next time, I have been Zach, TTFN, ta-ta for now. I've been Brandon, help control the pet population, have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. And speaking of Finding Nemo, I'm Sarah. Just keep swimming. All of our artwork is created by Becca Riley. You can go find her on Instagram at Becca Riley Art, spelled B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. Our theme song was written and performed by Marcus Beveridge. You can listen to more of his music on Instagram at Marcus.and.Sarah.Music, performing alongside me, your favorite Making a Disney fan lady. We hope you'll come back for our next episode soon. Thank you for listening to Making a Disney Fan. We hope to see you next time. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.